Everybody good to see you. Welcome River Glen. Uh, welcome everybody here in Waukesha, everybody online, everybody over in Pewaukee. So good to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us for church. Before I get started, I want to let you know next weekend uh, we launch a brand new series called Bless. It's going to be a great series. We're going to learn how to bless and love other people and change the world one person at a time. I think you're really going to enjoy this series and hope you'll join us today. Uh, we wrap up uh, big questions, uh, questions people like you and me have about God, faith, and the uh, Bible. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this series, and I know I've learned uh, a lot. And uh, looking forward to talking about this next question with you today about prayer. Why doesn't God answer my prayers? And this is a very important question and subject for us as individuals and us as a church, because I believe God wants River Glen to become a more prayerful church, a church that values prayer so much that we wouldn't let a day go by uh, without praying. Just imagine if everybody uh, who attends in person, who uh, watches online, uh, everybody across both campuses, about 2,000 people on a typical weekend, imagine if all of us every day took just a few minutes and we asked God to do a miracle in our church, in our communities, in our homes, and in our lives. What if we ask God, what if we prayed and asked him to fill us with more of his love for the people that we encounter each day? What if we asked God, prayed for more wisdom uh, to give to our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, and our nephews? What if we asked God to raise our awareness of those who are far from him and just need a touch of his uh, love? Amazing things happen when God's people pray. Uh, marriages get turned around, faith gets ignited, and uh, problems become opportunities for God to show his uh, power. In the Bible, there was a king who prayed, and God gave him 15 more years of life. The prophet Elijah prayed, and he saw a little boy healed, and a drought ended. In the uh, New Testament, in the book of Acts, the Christians prayed and saw thousands of people come to faith in Jesus. Amazing things happen when God's people uh, prayed. But here's what I find in my life and when I talk to other people. I find that very few people feel satisfied, satisfied with their uh, uh, prayer life. You know, maybe you prayed for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks to beat the Celtics. And uh, yeah, that just didn't go the way that we wanted it uh, to go. And we can feel like we're in a, a prayer slump. Anybody ever go through a prayer slump? I go through those. Uh, kind of like a hitter in baseball. Maybe some of us have watched the Milwaukee Brewers and the outfielder, uh, Christian Yelich. He's gone through a hitting slump. I looked it up, and in 2019, his batting average was 329. That's awesome. In 2020, it dropped to 205. Yeah, that's a hitting uh, slump. And I think many Christians feel like they're in a prayer slump, you know? Like our prayers are not really connecting with God, and we're not getting the answers that we want. And so we kind of give up on prayer. Maybe you prayed for a job, or you prayed for your kid to get into a certain college. It just didn't happen. Maybe you prayed for God to change somebody or to heal somebody, and it didn't happen. We've all experienced the disappointment of unanswered prayer. And maybe that's why some of us have gotten out of the habit of prayer, or maybe we've just kind of given up on, on prayer. Now, I don't know why God hasn't answered your uh, specific prayer. I'm, later on, I'm going to give you some possible reasons uh, for that, but I really believe that for many of us, okay, 
The greater problem is not unanswered prayer. It is unoffered prayer. I can't promise that, you know, God's always going to answer your prayer, you know, according to your timeline. But here's what I can promise you. Uh, 100% of the prayers that you don't pray, they won't get answered. I'm going to say that again because it's a double negative. It's kind of a duh. 100% of the prayers that we don't pray don't get answered. In other words, you know, what do we have to lose um, by, by praying about something? I had a... Uh, a minor car accident uh, back in February, and it, it took quite a bit of time to get the part and get my car fixed. And so uh, I went for a while without a car. I went a couple of weeks uh, without a car. I got a text message from the technician, and he let me know that the part got uh, delayed even, even more. So I just resigned to the fact that, you know, I'm going to go without a car for, for an extended period of time. I showed the text message to one of my coworkers, and my coworker encouraged me to reply and ask one more uh, question. And so I did. And to my surprise, the technician offered me a free rental car. And so I drove that free rental car for almost three months until I, I finally they got the part and they finally fixed my car uh, the week before last. But if I had not asked one more time, I would not have received the rental car. And one of the great tragedies in life is prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Take a look at what James says about this in the New Testament. He says the reason that you don't have what you uh, want is that you don't ask God for it. You know, we have all these reasons. We think there's all kinds of reasons why I don't have what I, what I want. Uh, James says, here's the reason. It's because you don't ask God for it. Look at what Jesus said. He put it this way. You parents, uh, if your child asks for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? That's the heart of God. He wants to give you good gifts. But you got to ask. And not just once or uh, twice. Uh, there's actually a story in, in the Bible I want to share with you today. And it's about a king who seems to have lost his life because of a lack of prayer. Uh, the story shows something that I really love about the Bible. The Bible is real life. It's gritty. Not every story in the Bible ends with, they lived happily ever after. This is a Bible story about a king by the name of Asa, King Asa. He reigned in Jerusalem for 41 years during the 9th century BC. And I know when I talk about somebody from that long ago, it's tempting to think, well, you know, they're not even a real person. But Asa was a real person, just like us. And he had real problems and he had real dreams. And his reign began with a promise from God. God sent the prophet uh, to Asa. And here's what the prophet said to him The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you'll find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. So Asa starts, or hears this uh, promise from God, and the scripture tells us that he took courage, which is something else I love about the Bible. I can't tell you how many times that I have felt worried and stressed out, and I read some scripture, and I can just hear, I can just feel my heart take, uh, take, take courage. That's why, I, that's why I need to read the Bible. That's why I make it a habit. I need courage Every day. I need to hear from, from God. In Asa's case, his courage leads to action. He leads the whole nation of Israel to remove their idols 
and repent of their sin. It's a dramatic scene. Take a look at this scripture and how the Bible describes it's, it, it, the whole nation of Israel. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. They shouted their oath of loyalty to the Lord with trumpets. I mean, there's music playing, blaring, and ram's horns sounding. I, I picture a dramatic scene, kind of like we had Friday night in this room right here. We had a worship night, and our team did just a great job. We, we, we sang together, and we lifted our, our hearts and our voices to God, and we just declared our faithfulness to God. That's why every weekend we gather in these rooms and we sing songs together to lift our hearts uh, to God and just declare our, our love and our surrender and our obedience to him. And I picture that's what's going on in this scene. The whole nation of Israel standing before God, kind of like a worship night, like a weekend worship service. Maybe they were singing uh, Waymaker or, you know, Stand in Your Love or, or, or something like that. And they're saying, God, we love you. And we just declare our obedience and our commitment to you. And then i got to show you this next verse. I get kind of a kick out of this one. It says, King Asa even deposed his grandmother, Macaw, from her position as queen mother because she had made an obscene Asherah pole. And so uh, he's like, sorry, Grandma, uh, your Asherah pole is, is way too obscene, and I'm, I'm giving you the boot, which makes you wonder uh, what was so obscene about her Asherah pole. I mean, she's a grandmother. Okay, Grandma uh, Macaw. Uh, she's in her 80s. She's in her uh, 90s. Uh, you know, what in the world was so obscene about it? Well, Asherah was the goddess of fertility, and they would worship her, wor worship her through sensuality. And so that kind of gives you an idea of uh, what was going on. But at this point, Asa, he might be the best king in the history of Israel. I mean, he's led the people back to God. He's gotten rid of his na naughty grandma, and he's doing just a fantastic job leading the nation of Israel. But then all of a sudden, another nation threatens to invade Israel. And uh, what does Asa do? I would expect him to gather the people together and to lead them in worship and prayer. Instead, he goes into the temple, and he removes the silver and the gold that belong to God, and he gave it to another nation, requesting uh, backup and help from their army. In other words, he trusts the, 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 the military power of another country more than he trusts the power of God. Now, on, on the one hand, you know, that's understandable. I mean, we can respond the same way uh, to a problem. You know, when we face difficulty, we're like, you know, how am I going to fix this? Who can I call to fix this? But God wanted Asa to talk to him. And so God sends the prophet uh, back to Asa. And the prophet says this, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you've been. From now on, you'll be at war. Asa became so angry with Hanani, the prophet, for saying this, that he threw him into prison and put him in stocks. At that time, Asa also began to oppress some of his people. So Asa does the whole kill the messenger kind of thing. And he even begins to oppress some of his people. You wonder, you know, what happened to the worship gathering? Remember the worship service? They all sang together and lifted their hearts and voices to God and declared their faithfulness and their surrender uh, to God. See, it's easy to come into church and have an emotional worship experience. And then on Wednesday, when you face some stressful circumstances, to just forget about God. Or to say, God, 
I give you my, my heart. And then somebody confronts you about your sin and you get angry about it. Well, that's Asa's whole story, except for one more detail that seems insignificant. It's in the next verse, and you might read this and wonder, why does the Bible even include it? But this is the reason I wanted to share this story with you. Okay? Here's what it says. It says, in uh, the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. And so he died in the 41st year of his reign. So Asa gets this, uh, you know, serious uh, foot disease, and uh, right away he gets on, you know, WebMD. He goes to Freighter Online, and he schedules all kinds of doctor's appointments. He tries natural remedies. He tries all kinds of uh, medicines. He goes to blogs. He reads articles. He does everything he can to save his life except one thing. He never prays. He never asks God for help. Years later, another king named Hezekiah gets deathly ill, and he prays to God, and God extends his life 15 years. Two kings, two kings. One prays and gets 15 more years. One doesn't pray, and he dies. Now, I don't pretend to, you know, understand, you know, all of that. Sometimes people pray uh, for healing, and they end up uh, dying. God's ways are, are higher uh, than our ways. But I do wonder what we miss out on in life as a result of not praying. In fact, I see two applications from this story that hopefully will give you a renewed and definite belief that God responds to prayer, that something happens when we pray, and not just once or twice, but bigger, bolder prayers over an extended period of time. Here's the first application. Prayer is the first resort, not the last. King Asa always found something else to turn to before he turned to God. When there was another nation threatening to invade, he turned to a foreign army. When he got the foot disease, he turned to his physicians. By the way, if you walk out of here today and you think, you know, um, I'm, I'm not going to uh, go to the doctor uh, for that. Uh, I'm just going to pray about that. Uh, you've, you have, uh, I have failed you as a, as a teacher because doctors are a gift from God. Medicine is, is a gift from God. I mean, go to the doctor. Go to WebMD. I mean, try all the medications. Uh, do all that. The issue is not that Asa uh, consulted his doctors. The issue is that he never consulted God. He never prayed. Prayer was never his first resort. Uh, many years ago, uh, right after we got married, Marnie and I served at a church in Kentucky. And we went to the church picnic at this beautiful park. And they, we played an uh, egg toss game. And I can get overly competitive. And so I asked my wife, I said, take off your wedding ring so that when you catch the egg, you don't uh, break the egg, which was really a dumb thing uh, to say. Yeah. You can see where this is going. So she puts her wedding ring in her pocket. We lose the egg toss. That night we're watching TV, and she suddenly realizes her wedding ring is no longer in her pocket. She's lost it. It's probably in the grass uh, back at the uh, park. And so for the next three days, we scoured the grass at that uh, park. I mean, we were worried and uh, upset and sad. We brought friends with us and we searched that grass. On the third day, they mowed the grass 
And we lost hope. But we went one more time. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this. Finally, we stood in the grass and we held hands together and we prayed. And we asked God for help. And guess what we found 30 seconds later? <laughs> Dang! Maybe it was a coincidence. But I think God was teaching us a lesson about prayer. Sometimes we treat prayer like that lost wedding ring. And so you get stressed out about something in your career, in a relationship, about your health, whatever it might be. And you think, you know, I'm going to do everything I can in my own power to solve this problem. And we overwhelm and stress ourselves out until we, 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 we get to a point where we say, you know what? You know, as a last resort, I'm going to try prayer. But, but prayer should be the first resort not the last. In fact, there should be a rhythm to, to your life, prayer, action, prayer, and then action. You know, some people, uh, you know, pray for a, a job and then they sit around and watch Netflix all day long. And uh, that's probably not going to do any, any good. But equally as, 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 as harmful is the other mindset that says, you know, I'm going to do everything I can in my own strength to solve this problem. And if that doesn't work, then I'll try prayer. But you don't try God. You worship God. In fact, you should listen for cues and triggers in your heart and in your mind that tell you, I need to pray about this. What are the triggers? I mean, if you feel stress, anxiety, worry, fear, that's a cue that tells you, I need to start praying about this. Look at what the Bible says about this in Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. I love this. Which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. The Bible says don't worry about anything. You say, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, there's a lot of things I have to worry about. Paul says, great. But then you, you, you should be praying about a lot of, of things. Stress, anxiety, worry, fear. That's not God's intent for your life. Those are the result of living in a fallen and sinful world. However, some of the most godly and prayerful people I know are people who have struggled with anxiety and worry all their lives, but they have learned to use worry as a trigger to pray first. They have learned uh, to use worry as, as a trigger to make prayer their first resort, not their last. Here's the second application. Prayer reveals what you really trust. Look what the prophet says to Asa. Uh, right after he makes this alliance with another nation. He says, because you have put your trust in the king of Aram instead of in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. In other words, because you didn't pray, because you trusted this other army, foreign army, more than you trusted the power of, of God, you missed your chance. I would hate to hear those words. Those four words from God. Ben, you missed your chance. You missed your breakthrough. You missed your opportunity. You missed your victory because you didn't pray. And then look what the prophet says next. He says, the eyes of the Lord uh, search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to, the, to him. Before satellites, uh, before drones, the eyes of the Lord searched uh, the earth and still continue to search to this day, looking for men and women whose hearts are committed to the Lord. And here's the point. Prayer reveals what you really trust. Psalm 20 verse 7 says it this way. Some trust in chariots and in horses. That's Asa. 
but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Is that you? Do you trust in the name of the Lord our God? You know, if you have an on-again, off-again prayer life, you know, if you pray for a while and don't get the answers you want and then you stop praying, give up on, on prayer, what does that reveal? Here's what prayerlessness says. It says, I can do life on my own. I can handle I can handle this on my own. I don't need God's help. I don't trust God's help. Author Tim Keller says this. He says, prayer is faith become audible. Isn't that good? In other words, words, you reveal what you really believe about God when you pray. Uh, Years ago, uh, Dallas Seminary ran into some financial problems and faced bankruptcy. And so some of the professors gathered together uh, with the president in his office to have a a prayer time. They went around the circle taking turns. It came to Professor Harry Ironside's turn. That was his actual last name. And he quoted Psalm 50, verse 10, that says, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And here's what he prayed. He said, he said, so sell some of them, God, and give us the money so we can keep this school open. Now, God doesn't usually answer prayer this quickly, but before their prayer time finished, the president's secretary walked in with a note that said, we have just received a donation of $10,000. The president uh, turned uh, to Harry Ironside and said, said, Harry, God sold the cattle. And God must have a sense of humor because the donation came from a Texas cattle rancher who sold two carloads of cattle, and he donated the money to Dallas Seminary. How big is your God? Is there any limit to what God can do in, in your life? Maybe you think our marriage feels stuck. You know, it just feels impossible. You know, right now it feels like it's going to take a miracle for us to get through this uh, together. Let me ask you, is God big enough to heal your marriage? Is God big enough to heal your child? Is God bigger than your positive MRI or your negative evaluation? How big is, is your God. Look at what uh, Jeremiah says. He says, Sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. I love this last sentence. Nothing is too hard for you. I'm telling you, there's no problem. There's no issue in your life or in this world that is too hard for God. God is bigger than your biggest problem. God's grace is bigger than your biggest sin. But, you know, don't just take my word for it. You need, you need to taste it and try it for yourself. Yeah. I, I, uh, there's, there's a few things I love in life. I, I love my wife. I love my uh, kids. I love the Packers, the Bucks, and the uh, Brewers. And I love, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> I do. These things, I, my, my mouth just waters. It's been hard to resist, uh, resist opening this for three services. Because when I open it and I smell that the roasted peanuts, it's, it's a game over. Yeah, I'm, I'm diving in uh, after this service. Now, I can tell you how great, you know, Reese's peanut butter cups are. I mean, they're, they're sweet and salty. <clears throat> and the uh, peanut butter and chocolate seem like opposites, but don't they make a great combination? I mean, just a, just a dynamic uh, duo. I could tell you that, you know, each peanut butter cup has 105 calories. I could tell you that uh, I could tell you the main ingredients. Some of the main ingredients include uh, sugar, sugar, and corn syrup, which is sugar, right? But that would not capture the goodness of Reese's peanut butter cups. You would understand that rationally in your mind, but you would not know it on the, the senses of your tongue. 
See, there's some things in life that you can know rationally in your mind and not experience in your life. And prayer is one of those things. I mean, you can, you can hear other people talk about the power of prayer. You can hear other people, you know, talk about how God answered their prayers and moved in their life. You can hear me go on and on about how there's nothing in your life that is too difficult uh, for God. But until you pray, you'll know that rationally, but you won't know it experientially. Prayer is how you taste the power of God. Psalm 34, 8 is a great invitation. It says, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's my invitation to you today. Would you come and taste the goodness? Would you taste the power of God through prayer and see if there's anything that's too difficult um, for God? Now, I want to go back to the question that we started with and, and because I think this can hold some of us back. Here's the question. Uh, why doesn't God answer uh, my prayer? Some of you maybe have prayed prayers and you, you haven't gotten the answer that you wanted from God, and you wonder why. Did you know that the Bible says there are some prayers that God won't answer? Uh, for instance, in the book of James, it says if you're not praying in faith, I mean, if you're praying for something that you don't believe uh, God can, can do, um, you know, God's not going to answer uh, that prayer. It also says, it says that if you pray with selfish motives, don't expect an answer to that prayer. And if there's an area of your life where you're willfully disobeying God, your prayer life is not going to be powerful and effective. And I share those reasons because uh, maybe if you make some changes, uh, it, it will be more likely that God will answer your prayers the way that you want him uh, to. But keep in mind, the purpose of prayer is not primarily to get what we want. When we want it from God, prayer is more about a relationship with God. It's about talking to a person. It's about talking to a very wise uh, person. That's why author Tim, Tim Keller uh, said these words. God's going to give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. In other words, God wants the very best for your life. He doesn't say no to you, no to your prayers because he wants to stick it to you. He wants the best for your life, but he knows some things that you don't know. And so that's why, that's why sometimes he says no, and that's why sometimes he says yes, but, but not right now. And, and, and we should thank God. We should thank God that he does that for us. So, so don't get discouraged by unanswered prayers. Keep bringing your requests to God. Keep believing that prayer is about a relationship with a wise God who knows some things that you don't know, and he always wants the best for your life. Prayer is how you taste and experience the power of, of God. And, and God invites you uh, to see if there's anything in your life that's too hard uh, for him. When you walked in today, we handed you one of these cards. Uh, it looks like this. Would you go ahead and just take that out for a moment? On one side, we've got a scripture printed on there from Philippians. And on the other side, we left it blank. And the reason that we left the blank side is I want to ask you, I want to challenge you right now. Write down two or three areas of your life that you want to commit to um, pray about. And write those two or three areas down. And then put this card somewhere where you will see it. Maybe in your Bible, on your dashboard, on your computer. And then start to pray about these things. Not once or twice, but pray about them for an extended period of time. Maybe until the, the end of this year. And let's see what God does. Let's see the marriages 
that get turned around because God's people prayed. Let's see the students God uses to influence their classmates because God's people prayed. Let's see hundreds of people come to faith in Jesus because God's people prayed. Prayer is how we taste the goodness. It's how we taste the power of of God. Uh, Let's go ahead. Let's do that right now. Let me lead us. God, I pray for anybody here right now, anybody with us who has some area of their life where they feel stuck. Feels like it would take a miracle to heal a wound or restore a relationship. God, I pray that as we begin to turn to you for help and, and to pray and make requests that we would taste your power and we would see that nothing's too hard for you in a person's life. God, may we as a church be known as a people who pray and a people who celebrate our God who answers prayers, our God who loves to give us good gifts and who wants to withhold no good thing from us when we ask. And so, God, we ask you right now to move in our lives and show us your power and your goodness and your glory. And, God, would you do the things that only you can do. And we ask this in Jesus' name.